The B-Rad Podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, Chili Pad, temperature-controlled mattress systems, Inside Tracker, blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one, and New Optimal, three nootropic supplements designed to improve focus, memory, and drive. And check out the bradkearns.com shop page, my personal selection of favorite products with great discounts for health, fitness, and peak performance. You know, not everybody really is able to fast in this productive way, right? You, you have to be a good fat burner to begin with. I maxed out on pull-ups and, and was able to do 23, which I have not been able to do 23 pull-ups since college, probably. So that whole experiment really made me a, a believer on the micro-workouts and how effective they can be. I could get to the point where I'm doing 355 and not be injured and even be older than I am now, say 55. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hey, this is going to be one of my favorite commercials because I get to introduce you to the delicious, nutritious, life-changing Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. This is a mind-blowing nut butter blend that will soon ascend to your number one go-to snack, treat, or accoutrement for anything from dark chocolate, a cucumber celery smear, or mixed in with yogurt, oatmeal, cheesecake, or with a spoon right into your mouth, heading south. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I created in my kitchen through whirlwind experimentation and extreme sampling to my VIP product testing crew across the nation so far with 100% approval. In this beautiful jar, we have macadamia nuts, walnuts, cashews, the rare and precious coconut butter, coconut flakes, cacao nibs, real ancient sea salt, and organic MCT oil. Every single ingredient has been sourced to origin to be the very best we could find from around the world for the absolute highest pure and nutritional value. We run this product in small batches with a boutique family business in the Pacific Northwest, and everything is cold-pressed to preserve nutritional value. So if you like eating healthy, it's a dream come true for all those who are keto, primal, paleo, and vegan vegetarian too. I come in peace, my global healthy living friends. Masterpiece, that is. Try some now, and it will change your life. I promise. If you don't like it, send it back to me. I'll eat it. You can order Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece on Amazon. Simple, simple. Or if you're bold, daring, and adventurous, buy three and get a bottle free at bradventures.com. Buy six and we'll send you eight. Christmas shopping early instead of late at bradventures.com. Check it out. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Uh. Hey, listeners, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Dude Spellings. 
the ordinary guy from Austin, Texas, who is deeply immersed into the ancestral lifestyle and quite an authority on all matters of eating and exercising and biohacking and pursuing optimal health, longevity. We're going to talk a lot about that since uh, we are both in the 50 plus age group these days, uh, trying to stay strong, stay healthy. We're going to talk about the uh, his disparate goals of being strong in the gym and doing serious stuff like deadlifting, but also competing and pursuing extreme ultra endurance goals, like his epic Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim crossing, which he did virtually fasted for the entire 50 mile journey and then fasting overnight afterward. You're not going to believe the details of this story. I think it was one of the great experiments and breakthroughs in performance and recovery that will have some long lasting ramifications. Leave it to do to try to push the outer limits of what's possible and explore some new ideas like fasting after a tough workout. Who knew? Anyway, we're going to talk about a variety of matters, especially his fondness for micro workouts and setting up his home environment to succeed. So you're going to learn about his penchant for deadlifting uh, because he will trip over this thing uh, when he's trying to leave his office just to go to the bathroom. And he's taken the micro workout concept really deep with some really interesting insights. We talk about the uh, correct and strategic application of fasting uh, paired with workouts and how to get the most benefits there, how to avoid some of the uh, potential drawbacks. And I think my favorite takeaway theme from the conversation is how to prevent injuries and continue to progress at a steady and patient and comfortable pace for years and years, even as you advance into the higher age groups. Yes, it is possible, but we have to do away with this no pain, no gain mentality where we push too hard due to cultural programming and the prevailing themes in the gym, and instead just put in little drizzlers and tidbits of work like with dudes micro workouts and then just working within yourself even when you're doing some difficult and challenging workouts. So here we go with dude spellings, primal health coach, accomplished ultra endurance athlete and fantastic speed golfer all in one, Austin, Texas. Dude spellings back on the show, so nice to connect and oh my gosh, we exchanged so many emails back and forth because you are the the cutting edge human of the planet on uh, fitness, health optimization, biohacking, everything. If you're watching on YouTube, dude is rocking his very, very expensive blue light blocking glasses. <laughs> and there's always something new. Uh, you pan the camera to show me that you literally will trip over the hexagonal deadlift bar in order to get out of your office. So I'm guessing that that is facilitating uh, a micro workout. Uh, so anyway, from Austin, Texas, how are things down there? And we're going to talk about what's new with you. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, once again. I always enjoy being on your podcast. It's uh, fun to talk about all the crazy stuff that I try to keep up with. Uh, one of them especially is uh, some of us are getting into the higher age groups now. Welcome to all <laughs> listeners, including Dude, who are now in the 50 plus. Uh, but we have this critical objective, according to many voices. I love Rob Wolf's one-liner where he says, if you want to live longer, lift more weights and eat more protein. And he alluded to this uh, idea that you could possibly simplify longevity and health span with the preservation of muscle mass as you age. 
And so maybe we start there with your thoughts about that that concept and then how we go about doing it without getting injured. Well, I'll, I, I tend to agree with him. Um, I would say for me personally, from a, like a practical standpoint, um, you know, having preserving muscle, uh, as I age seems to be a lot easier than building new muscle. (laughs) So, so, so I'm, I'm all for anything that keeps me from losing what I got. And I think that, uh, lifting definitely helps, you know, like every bodily process, right? If you don't use it or don't ask your body to perform, then you, you, those skills decline. And, um, that's why I have the, the deadlift right here in my office. Um, every time I get up to go to the bathroom or whatever, I, I use it. And, you know, the, it's really only because I don't want to degenerate further. And so I figure if I'm asking my body to pick up 265 pounds every time I leave that I'm going to preserve that strength. And what does that look like over a seven day or a 30 day period? How many times are you reaching for that bar? And then my follow-up question would be, is it possible to overdo this, this micro workout concept to where it's compromising your formal workout preparation or fitness goals? hundred percent. So hundred percent. Yes. To the last question. (laughs) So, so this is my, my second iteration through this experiment. Um, the first iteration through was not 265, but 355. Just randomly picking that up when you go to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so to answer your question about how, often um it's a bit it comes out to probably eight or ten reps a day are you doing Um, a single rep only as a rule uh when you pretty much one only every once in a while i'll throw in two just to keep it random keep mix it up um but uh but mostly yeah it's just one and i was only doing one with 355 as well and what I discovered, um, which we'll get into the, the ramifications of this later, I'm sure. Uh, but what I discovered is that I'm not able to do that um, eight, eight or 10 times a day, more than a few. I, I forget when my injury happened, but I but the end result of it was that I hurt my hamstring and had to lay off of, off, off of doing that. And it was probably after doing it for maybe two weeks. So, and I, and I only do it during the workday, so I wasn't doing weekends, but you know, two, two weeks of five days on, um, doing three let's say six to I've moved since then. And in my old location, it was in the garage. So I had to, do a little bit more effort to get to it. So I was only probably doing like six to eight. Um, but yeah, it was too much. Um, especially at the tender age of 51, uh, it was just a little bit too much for my body. And, uh, 
strain the hamstring. Um, and I actually thought it was not very bad. And I had signed up for a 30 K um, <laughs> and went to go do the 30, 30 K and thank God that the format of the 30 K was three 10 K loops. And after 20 K I was like, man, I just, I, this hamstring's hurting way too much. I need to, I need to stop and take care of myself. So I, I quit doing it. So I think, you know, there is a, a sweet spot and I think it's really easy to overdo it on deadlift, especially if you're in the older age brackets. Um, but I've been nursing myself back. I cut way back on the way the hamstring isn't, uh, bothering me as much anymore. I can still feel it. Um, when I, like if I, um, bend over and touch my toes, I still feel like there's an extra stretch on the left side, mm -hmm. which is the, the hamstring is hurt. Um, but I'm trying to work through that, doing some stretching and some single, single leg deadlift and stuff like that. So single leg deadlift in, in an effort to heal the injury is that what you're saying? I, supp I suppose with very light weight, just to engage yeah, yeah, the muscle. Super, and... Yeah, super lightweight, like a 20 pound uh, dumbbell, and then just focus on the um, uh, the lengthening. You know, instead of the instead of focusing on the um, the pulling, I'm focusing on going down and and letting that weight sort of like. It's basically like a toe touch with a little bit uh, extra weight to to pull me down. So let me. It kind of helps feel that stretch a little more. So back to the the deadlift bar in the way when you're trying to go to the bathroom, and now it's loaded at two sixty five, which is well below um, your your maximum. So we're talking about a pretty uh, moderate effort now 365 i assume was closer to your maximum but yes. I, I think when you're getting up that close you probably need some warm-up time and so it's probably not a great um opportunity for a micro workout to just step into it uh, but with you know let's say for the average person listening imagine loading up a deadlift bar with 100 pounds which is ridiculously light if you can do 250 at your best but if you're doing that eight times a day it seems to me that it's just, it could be classified in the category of movement objectives and just a wonderful way to take a break from a prolonged period of time at your desk and also kind of scratch a little bit of that uh, ticket off for uh, fitness objectives. Because when you count 365 days later, you've lifted tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of additional pounds. It's got to have a fitness adaptation as well, but you're under that, you're under that uh, radar to the extent that you're not tempting injury, fatigue, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, this whole train of thought with regard to training came about because when COVID started, I think we did a podcast on the micro workouts where I was just doing push-ups, pull-ups and jump squats. And uh, on the hour, correct? Yeah. <laughs> this and, guy was the king, the king of COVID micro workout. And um, boy, that was, yeah, that was spectacular. I think you're, you're going on during the workday eight times out to do some body weight exercises. Yeah. And I worked up to where I was doing, you know, like 
150 pull-ups in a day and <laughs> stuff like that. And, um, and ended up, I, I, try, I maxed out on pull-ups and, and was able to do 23, which I have not been able to do 23 pull-ups since college probably. So that whole experiment really made me a, a believer on the micro workouts and um, how effective they can be. Like it, I, I really think that um, in order to uh, stimulate growth, you, especially if you're starting at a, you know, like when you first start working out, everybody knows like for beginners, you make those gains like super quick. Mm. I, and if you're, if that's where you're starting at, I, I don't think you need to max out reps and weights and stuff. I think you can get gain, you know, like very significant gains, just, you know, staying well within the, the range of safety and, you know, doing body weight stuff and, you know, maybe 50% of your max um, at, at, at 50% of the max reps is for me, it's, it's doing something. I can definitely tell in my driving distance that I've been, mm. since I started doing these, these, uh, deadlifts at home. He's not talking about his commute people. He's talking about how when this guy heads to a golf course and you're playing with him, get ready for a scenic tour of places you have never seen before, because you're going over the freaking trees and cutting, cutting corners on the course. Like I've never seen it. It's, it's stunning. And this guy, uh, not only being a great golfer, cause a lot of people can hit the ball far, but, uh, the power game is, is phenomenal. So obviously your, uh, your exercises are, are working well for, for the driving distance. I just wanted to clarify that, that statement well, there. So, so I didn't really notice this until um, the USA Speed Golf Championships in Springfield last month. And um, Nick, the guy that was doing all the filming, uh, came out to film me on a few holes. And they happened to be some of the shorter par, five, par fours. And he actually said that like my drives were the longest that they'd seen all day. And since I'm slow uh, with my hamstring injury, I was one of the last people and he, he's noticed that, you know, I was hitting it pretty, pretty far. And that was really the first time I, I noticed the, the effect of doing, you know, eight to 10 submaximal deadlifts every day. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings, Wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, there's a drip tray on the bottom, so 
you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Well, I'm also reflecting a lot on this lately, uh, noticing the difference between being in the older age groups and, and feeling these uh, aches and pains and minor injuries linger on for, for way too long. And also my extreme enthusiasm for things like high jumping and sprinting getting me into trouble because I'm so excited when I go out there. Uh, as, we, as we know, if we put our brains to work, uh, when we're out there with the stress hormones flowing through the bloodstream, the inflammation is occurring in the muscles, which is desirable to allow us to perform, but you're not really seeing, experiencing these twinges and aches and pains until 12 hours, 24 hours later. And so I, I put myself into a hole because I want to do uh, a few more full-length high jump approaches to perfect my technique. And then there goes um, the, the right calf the next morning or the left hamstring or whatever. And it occurs to me, especially the older age groups, but let's look at the Olympic athletes as well. It, it seems as though a, a true elite athlete is performing well within their capability at every workout. Even if you look on YouTube and watch Gabby Thomas in Austin shredding the, 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 the track and becoming the second fastest 200 meter runner of all time or third fastest, um, the workouts are tough, but these athletes are so conditioned that they're not collapsing on the side of the track or going home for a three hour nap and two jars of peanut butter. It's just that day to day work that's, that's, uh, within their capability is how you, you know, become, uh, an Olympian level athlete or someone who's, who's doing it the right way, which all I want to do is avoid injury, but also, you know, perform really well. And maybe we need to rethink some of these notions about the, um, you know, the killer workout on Friday mornings at the CrossFit box that really uh, puts you under the table uh, as completely unnecessary and very risky. Yeah. I, I mean, I think certainly for a lot of people, CrossFit workouts are, well, especially if people are just coming off the couch, right? So like if you've had a, uh, probably the typical 50 something scenario, right? Is a guy who, or girl who, um, has spent the last 20 years raising their family, getting, uh, your kids off to college, um, very busy with all the kids' activities and sports and this and that. And you really, you know, you don't have a lot of time to focus on um, your own fitness goals and certainly don't have time to put in a couple hours every day to um, work on that. And so then now you're an empty nester and you you want to get back to enjoying some of the fitness activities that you that you used to do. So you go sign up for CrossFit. Well, if you haven't been doing uh, CrossFit style workouts uh, for the last, say, 15 years, and you just jump right into a regular CrossFit workout, that CrossFit workout is going to feel like that ball buster 
maximal effort. Um, even, even though for the people who've been doing CrossFit for 10 years, five years, whatever, it's not a maximal effort for them. It's a, it's a lot like the, how Maffetone says like, okay, you go join a running, you're an amateur runner, you go join a running group and you try to try to keep up with the front pack. That that's, that's a losing strategy and a, and a strategy to, to get hurt. So, you know, if you're, if you're in our age group and you're getting back into it, you really, you can't just uh, jump right in at that high intensity level. You gotta, you gotta work up to the point where a normal CrossFit workout isn't a maximal workout for you. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with um, adding the deadlift to my, my micro workouts is just kind of raise my bar on what is, uh, what it's, what is submaximal, right? So that, right, yeah, all of a sudden, um, it, it went from, uh, you know, pretty tough to, uh, nothing because you're, you're, uh, you're adapting. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And, and so, so now at age 51, you know, instead, like when I was 31, I might've, um, approached weightlifting goal with like, okay, I'm starting my squat at, um, you know, right now my squat is 245 max and I want to get a goal up to 315 and I should be able to do that within eight weeks. Well, at age 51, that it's a lot slower <laughs> <laughs> and kind of what I'm figuring out is like a really good way to, to, to move the needle and keep it safe is to do these submaximal workouts so that, you know, right now I'm doing 255, uh, 10 times a day. I've been doing that for, uh, let's say I moved here in uh, June. So I've been doing it for three months. Um, and I could probably now maybe even add 10 or 20 pounds and still keep it, you know, really submaximal. But you look at that over the course of several years, right? I could get to the point where I'm doing 355 and it and not be injured and even be older than I am now, say 55. But it's a it's not an eight-week progression like it was when I'm 31. It's very slow gains to make sure that I, I avoid the injury, which I mean, the injuries set me back. I mean, this hamstring injury set me back at least six months trying to yeah, heal from it. That's the critical takeaway here is that, you know, you mess around, you get injured and it negates your progress to an extreme amount such that doing anything you possibly can to avoid the injury is going to pay off more than uh, pushing it a little in the name of, oh, I just want to break through and um, get on the podium in my next race. So I have to push myself harder. Uh, so I'm, I'm really appreciating that injury. Injury uh, prevention would you know be like number one on your fitness objective list if you, if you were uh, sensible about it. I, at our age, I think, I mean, it is for me. You know, because because the injuries just take 
so much time out of out of progress like you they they set you back they don't you're you're i mean it's yeah tough. And it's i think um if you like extrapolate that into everything you do in daily life and you have to help your neighbor move out this weekend and lift the couch and roll the refrigerator into place and all these things um your injury risk for doing everyday things is is so dramatically increased unless you have that fitness base so not only are you working out uh, to you know prevent injuries while working out, but it's also for the rest of your life, especially the example of falling um, being the number one cause of injury and death in Americans over age 65. Consequences related to falling is the number one way that we uh, see our demise. And so doing, doing everything you can in, in the fitness realm to skate through everyday life is also a beautiful goal. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, on that... Um note of falling i'm sure you know most of the time the way that the falls end up leading to either permanent debilitation or death is from a bone break right and a lot of times the bone break you know it's a compound thing like a lot of stuff in in biology right it's like never one thing so you know when you're well shit um this past February, Austin had crazy winter weather. Mm. It it snowed here like a winter wonderland. I've never I've lived here my whole life, never seen anything like it. Um, and uh, my girlfriend happened to be driving over to my house just right at the time when all this was blowing in. And I walked out to the street to to greet her, and I stepped off of the curb onto the street, and I mean I slipped like you know uh the comedy skit with the guy slipping on the banana peel just landed right on my butt and it hurt pretty good uh you know if i had been maybe in my 70s i could have broken something doing that um but because my bone density is strong enough uh i you know i didn't didn't suffer any bone breaks but the point is that, you know, it's not just the fall, it's also the strength of your bone density and your ligaments and your connective tissue and all the other stuff that, that gets traumatized in the fall. And lifting heavy weights uh, increases bone density as well. So, you know, there's, it's not just, I'm not just doing it to maintain strength and to increase strength and to, for my driving distance, Right. I'm, I'm also doing it because I know that the, that, that is that the stress of picking up 265 pounds every day is strengthening my joints and my ligaments and my discs and my back and my grip even. And, you know, it's, there's exercise doesn't only make you stronger, right? It, it, it makes you metabolically more fit. Right. Yeah. You're improving your, you're improving your insulin sensitivity. You're doing all kinds of things just by lugging that weight. Now you're doing generally one rep and I'm sure you could do five, no problem and and nothing taxing. Uh, But tell us about that choice to make it such an easy thing. And I guess more repeatable throughout the day without a second thought. Well, okay. So first I should add, um, I also do, 
a um, full workout three days a week at the gym, right? And one of those days would be a deadlift day. And on that deadlift day, I do go um, heavy, much heavier. Um, I'm still, uh, you know, speaking of injuries setting you back, um, you know, I'm still not back to where I'm doing 365, but, uh, you know, I'm up over 300 when I'm, you know, it's my primary, uh, you know, strength workout for the day. But I, I just picked up, you know, in terms of what weight I, how did I come up with, uh, 265? Um, yeah, I just picked a weight that was challenging, but not, uh, but still easy. Right. So, you know, two, two sixty-five. I could, I, I bet I could do to failure. I bet I could do over 10, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe 15 or 20 even. And, um, that I just picked that weight because I knew it, it would be easy enough not to cause injury. And, and sticking with one rep every time, maybe two, as you said, yeah, really nice and, and under the radar. Yeah. And I, and I do, you know, you can, you can tell, right. When you have that nagging injury, you know, the strained hamstring, the strained calf, the strained bicep, whatever it is, right. You can tell if you're, if you're an athlete that's in tune with your body, you can tell when you have like an, a hormetic stress that just sort of stretches the muscle a little bit, gets it out of the resting comfort zone and flushes some blood in there. Um, which might be, you know, a, to me, it feels like a little worse than a stretch, right? There's a big difference between that sort of pain and a pain where you really have to like, um, you know, bite your lip to finish the rep, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going for that. Let's talk about nootropics. These are supplements designed to improve cognitive function, memory, and creativity. And I'm taking three products from a company called New Optimal, N-U Optimal. The products are MetaFocus, which promotes flow state and improves processing speed and mental clarity. It contains ingredients like phenylalanine, B12, ginkgo biloba. I'm taking MetaMemory, which is good for memory retention, verbal fluency, reduced oxidative stress. Very important for the brain. This product has things like lion's mane, pine bark, and bacopa. And I'm taking MetaDrive for motivation, stress resilience. It's got a little boost of caffeine in there, ashwagandha, rhodiola. They're wonderful products with a lot of scientific detail and easy to understand information on their website. So you get the big picture of what these products are all about, not just stuffing pills down your face, but how to do the stack as they call it strategically. You get a 16 page booklet that'll guide you to optimal use when you purchase. And guess what? 60 day money back guarantee and 30% discount from me. Listen, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a drug guy, but I'm always looking for any type of natural edge 
advantage I can get, especially for cognition. So guess what? Let's avoid that sugary junk food. Let's get enough sleep. Take a power nap when you need one. And consider trying some nootropics to see if you get a natural brain boost. So go visit newoptimal.com, N-U-O-P-T-I-M-A-L, and enter the code BRAD30 to get 30% discount when you try it. Newoptimal.com for way more details. Love it. Just keeping it keeping it chill, keeping active. And then when you do step into the gym, you have all that going for you uh, because you're not coming in from two days of sitting in an airplane or doing absolutely nothing and then trying to pull a bunch of weight, which I would think would increase your injury risk. Now you're in there three days a week, working hard in the gym, um, lifting heavy weights. That's a pretty big ambitious schedule. And I'm wondering if you thought about the optimal frequency and landed on three days? Or are you going in there because you love the social experience and you might even be better off with two days? Or where do we, uh, how do we navigate that? Assuming we have, you know, let's say the freedom or the flexibility to, to do whatever is optimal. Um, how do we figure that one? Well, for, so for me, uh, again, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to not be injured. <laughs> <laughs> is is sort of my main goal and so even even in those workouts i'm keeping it pretty below maximal effort um and then very occasionally like i don't know maybe once every six weeks or something like that i'll go you know i'm feeling pretty good today uh I'm going to throw an extra 20 pounds on my bench press and see how many reps I can do. Right. Um, and then I'm also writing down, uh, all the weights that I'm using and trying to, to go up by two and a half pounds or five pounds or whatever, every, you know, when I was, when I was in my twenties and thirties, I would, you know, if I didn't go up two and a half pounds every week or two weeks, I'd think I was a big loser, you know? Uh, but, but now I'm just like, you know, uh, if I can eke out an extra two and a half pounds in a month, six weeks, like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only here to, uh, like I said at the beginning, preserve my strength as I enter, uh, second half of life, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, crush any age group records or, uh, you know, look cool in the gym, trying to lift more than the guy next to me or anything like that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just there to, to keep what I got, you know? And interestingly for a long time, you've also been on the starting lines of these ultra events. You just talked about your 30 K where you hurt your hamstring. Uh, so that's quite a, a blend of, I mean, you are mixing it in the gym with some, some serious strength trainers and putting in a lot of effort there and going long. So how do you navigate those seemingly disparate goals? And, and tell me about the relative importance of each in terms of, I mean, I know you enjoy it and, and all that, but I, I also know you're pursuing longevity and optimal health. Yeah. So, so the gym really kind of offers no social, um, outlet for me you know you'd asked about that a second ago 
I don't, I, I like to go to the gym and get my workout in and leave. I, I, if I'm in there half an hour, that's mm. plenty, plenty of time for me. Mm. Um, and I, and I don't do a lot of, you know, I do, um, sets of five. I, you know, I'm not in there cranking out, you know, uh, 16 sets of eight or some crazy stuff like that. I'm, I'm just, I go in, I do five sets of five. I start off super duper light. Um, and then really my only, uh, set that's even approaching maximal is the last set. Um, and then I get my, like, for me, the running is where I get my social fix, you know, because running like lends itself to that. I think for me really easily, cause you can, you can run in a group really easily. Uh, if you find people that are doing math training or low heart rate training, you run at a rate that is easy to have a conversation and catch up with everybody and see how everybody's doing. You know, if like me, you know, wanting to do longer distances, you know, if you go on a, uh, six mile training run with people, you know, that's usually a solid 45 minutes to an hour of conversation plus the cool down and stretching and all that. So, um, for, for me, the running is a lot these days is a lot more about the social part. And I do think that it does, um, help with longevity in the fact that you are asking your body to um, push through a lot of oxygen, right? And process that oxygen, get the mitochondria working, shuttling the electrons through the, the mitochondria to, to accept the oxygen um, molecule at the end. And, you know, if you don't ever, I think, if you don't ever ask your body to perform like that, you get worse at it, right? Mm. And then before you know it, you're 78 years old and you get winded when you walk up the steps, mm. right? I mean, that, and that's that's kind of my goal these days is, you know, I just want to be able to keep doing the things that I love to do. And, you know, the best way I know how to do that is to keep doing them and do them at, at an intensity level that's not going to get me injured. So uh, assuming you love to do a 30K, which is pretty pretty extreme, I, I don't know if uh, that's probably out of reach for most people unless they're immersed in the endurance community. So where's that kind of happy uh, point where you can declare yourself aerobically, cardiovascularly competent can you get there by hiking and walking around town lake rather than uh, hitting a pace or doing something that's uh, kind of in the performance realm? Oh, I think so. I, I mean, man, I think hiking is super underrated, especially if you're going to carry a little weight in your pack. You know, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to go out for, a, a, let's say a 12 mile day hike and spend all day out there and enjoy nature and, carry, you know, uh, maybe you're going to carry a gallon of water and a pack and some food, you know, you're going to, you're going to have 15, 20 pounds in your pack. Um, hiking uphill is a, that's no joke, man. Especially, uh, if you don't do it every day, 
where's a sweet spot? I don't know. Uh, I mean, everybody's got their own individual goals and stuff. And I guess for me, like I still have that, the, that memory of participating in all all the ultras and I kind of, I'm still sort of in that community. So I I don't want to, uh, you know, I want to be able to show up at a 30 K and, and hang out and participate for a few more years. So, you know, for me, that's, that's sort of, um, where I'm at and I want to be able to, you know, if my friends plan another rim to rim to rim, I want to be able to at least, um, uh, entertain the prospect of training for it. Um, so, you know, th- those are some of my concerns. I would say if people don't have such goals, you know, hiking and walking are, are walking is super underrated. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of studies that show that just even a, like a 15 minute walk after dinner uh, regulates blood sugar, um, uh, people sleep better. Like there's all kinds of uh, benefits to even not, not just, lowers blood sugar, but lowers A1C as well. If you do it regularly. Uh, yeah. Like on this topic that we, we noted that we wanted to discuss uh, some of the things you wrote uh, are pretty enticing. Um, Dr. Ron Rosedale's claiming that the more fat you burn during your life, the longer you'll live. And that's because uh, you're making fewer free radicals. Uh, the, the fat, um, can can be burned with uh, mitochondria protect the protective benefits of mitochondria versus if you're a glucose burner and you're winded when you get up a flight of stairs that that um, sensation of being winded also implies that you've switched over to um, you know glucose burning and your your conditioning is so poor that now you've uh, turned into a a, a carbohydrate dependent human uh, because you you can't even get through the the, the bare bones of daily living, getting out of the parking lot and, and entering the store without kicking into glucose burning. So the better you get at burning fat, and we know that there's two channels here. One of them is uh, through exercise and one of them is through proper dietary choices, but it, it's, it's clear that we need both to excel rather than just eating cleanly and then getting winded going up a flight of stairs. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. 
Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Yeah, and so I, I think what Ron, Dale, Ron, Ron Rosedale was getting at when he says, you know, the, the more fat you burn during your lifetime, the longer you'll live is that how efficient is that electron chain transport in your mitochondria, right? If you're uh, whipping electrons through there super fast, uh, you're not going to be winded when you get to the top of the stairs. Um, and something Another thing that's a little bit interesting, I didn't, I haven't mentioned this to you, so we'll see, see how this goes, but I was watching, so I got my cold plunge, right? I got my chest freezer all set up and everything. And, um, you know, I had to do a bunch of research on how to keep it clean and sanitary and all this stuff. And, um, I realized, I discovered one of the, so there's a, a couple different ways to keep it sanitized, right? So, um, just for the listeners, clean versus sanitized. Clean would be like a filter that keeps out the dirt and stuff. Sanitized would be uh, like um, chlorine that keeps algae and stuff from growing in there, right? Bacteria and stuff. So there's a couple different ways to do the sanitation. Um, one is chlorine, and um, chlorine is toxic and a lot of people say you can absorb it through your skin. So I kind of wanted to, to search for other ways, right? I found this video of this guy um, that uses ozone for a uh, sanitation in a cold plunge. And he explained it really well. And really what, he was, what it boils down to is that the reason that chlorine and the ozone both work is because they add um, extra electrons to the water, which disassembles, it's able to, um, I guess disassembles the right word, but it's basically the charge is strong enough that it um, disables the cell membrane on bacteria. And he said even can do to viruses. Now, to me, I instantly thought, wow, all these people that, um, you know, get, are suffering from COVID, right? We, we, we know obesity is the number one risk factor, as is metabolic disease, right? So people that have diabetes and prediabetes are very predisposed to, to, to suffer from COVID, as, as are people that are obese. And that made me think of this concept that Ron Rosedale's talking about, where the more fat that you burn the more electrons that you're, you're shuttling through, your body has a stronger charge. And maybe it's that that is protecting you from infections. 
Well, we certainly know there's more than just scratching the surface when we're talking about how to be healthy, especially with the the medical paradigm, which is focused on disease and um, the prevention or the wellness paradigm is kind of an independent concept. So dude spouting off about the the independent concepts. I love it. Uh, Well, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but... Right. But it's like, hey, how do we get healthy? What about getting sun exposure? What about getting the proper light exposure? All that great stuff. Uh, But over to the, um, the, uh, the, the, the topic of diet and especially pairing... Um, fasting, calorie restriction, carbohydrate restriction with these ambitious exercise goals, such as you stated, you want to run long distances, you're lifting heavy weights with the deadlift bar. Um, I'll direct listeners to the last show where I believe we covered that incredible achievement of doing the rim to rim to rim Grand Canyon crossing, which is 47, tell me the stats, 47 miles, miles. 49 miles, what, 12,000 feet of elevation gain. Uh, I think it's like, uh, I think it's seven, 7,000 on, uh, the South rim and 8,000 on the North rim. <laughs> so an epic achievement that was completed, uh, with almost no calories. And then, uh, instead of feasting on pizza, like the, the rest of the party, uh, you went in your tent and slept, uh, with the, the notion that that would improve your recovery. So maybe just recap that that personal human experiment at the very extreme of not only endurance performance, but testing the benefits of fasting. And then we can open up the discussion a little for um, how to best pair these goals that we hear about all the time of fast fasting and autophagy with, hey man, I just did a workout and I got to replenish my, my fuel. Yeah, so... I guess I would start the conversation with a story that I that happened to me long before I met you and long before I got into to this sort of thinking. I was training for ultras and I was um, the the epitome of the guy that you wrote about at the the first paragraph of Primal Endurance, the the guy that's twenty pounds overweight at the starting line of the marathon. Um, and I went on this training run with this crew of, of pretty, pretty good ultra runners. One guy uh, was 49 years old and won everything. He was a beast. Um, and we went on this training run and it was 35 mile training run through the mountains in Oregon. And, um, you know, the, the group broke up into two groups, right? The fast group and the slow group. And um, uh, this, um, fast group was already finished by the time we got finished the slow group as we were running in we were again like you mentioned in primal endurance we were just daydreaming about food man we're like hey there's a pizza place on the way home let's stop there i'm gonna eat a whole pizza and you know i ran 35 miles i deserve it right and we get back to the cars and and this guy that went won everything uh, his name was John Tyser. He's sitting there eating a tiny little baggie of almonds and a tiny little baggie of dried apricots. After 35 miles. After 35 miles. And I and I go up to him and I'm like, hey, man, we're going to... Can I borrow an apricot? <laughs> no, no, I didn't want it back then. Uh, I go, hey, uh, we're uh, we're going to go get pizza. You want to join us? <laughs> and, and he goes, no, I got my apricots and my almonds. I'm good. 
and it blew me away. Abs- I mean, I'm like, wow. But what I realized after um, all the training, reading primal, primal Endurance, reading Maffetone, doing my own personal experimentation and so forth and experiencing myself, what I realized is that if you're metabolically fit enough that you can do these types of um, runs and you're only burning body fat, you don't get hungry. And, you know, eating food does have metabolic side effects or, or, um, you know, consequences, right? Any food you eat makes um, the free radicals. Um, that it's just a by, byproduct of metabolism. You're going to make the free radicals. And, and I had read a little bit about um, people using fasting for recovery. And I just thought, you know, you know, I, I, I already recognized I was at the point where John Tyser was at so many years earlier because I'd done training runs. I, I, I was doing training runs where I would, I would run 20 miles in the winter when it's cool with no food and no water and get home. And, you know, as soon as I got home, my, my wife at the time was like, Hey, I need you to take my, our daughter to volleyball practice or whatever, you know, whatever. And, you know, just jump right in the car, run the errands, do whatever I need to do. And, and I, so I, I knew like my metabolism was fit enough that if I could stay uh, aerobic the whole time and not go anaerobic that I could do the whole thing just burning body fat and you know if you're just burning body fat you don't need to eat now the one thing I did realize though is that probably what I would run out of was micronutrients right because you are using other nutrients that that aren't calories right I figured I would need electrolytes which I did and I, I threw in some beef liver just because it covers all the bases, right? And so um, I got our, our buddies over at Ancestral Supplements to give me some beef liver. And I, I did the, the, the run with uh, electrolytes and beef liver. Now, I did go anaerobic uh, going up the North Rim, which was not a problem uh, at that time. But what it meant is that I depleted mm. all my glycogen so that when I got to the south rim, running downhill, running back, turning around and running back downhill, the north end was not a problem. I could stay aerobic there. But then once I needed to run up the south rim, I, I realized I was going to need food. And that's after 38 miles, I, I ate food. Um, but then when I got back, I just you know, I, I wasn't that hungry and I just decided that I was going to put this um, theory to the test and see if uh, it would help recovery to, to do, a, to finish off with the fast. And, and it, it you know, I, I did, uh, it was 13 years between my rim to rim to rims. So it's 13 years younger the first time I did it, and I was a lot more sore. Of course, I did the, that entire effort, like eating a gel every half hour and 
slamming. Uh, I can't remember what I ate when I got back from there, but I know I ate a bunch. They have an ice cream shop, I believe, on the South Rim. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it was an open cones, <laughs> whatever, whatever's yeah. the site. So, yeah, I did eat whatever was in sight, but the ice cream wasn't open at like 10 o'clock at night when I finished. <laughs> so the the experiment was uh, was inspired by the idea that if you continued to fast after the extreme effort where you burned almost, almost entirely fat, um, you're laying in the tent and your processes of cell repair, inflammation, immune function are all heightened because you're in a fasted state. Um, of course, you're going to have to eat at some point, but it seemed like that. that's why I thought it was such a breakthrough experiment was like, this is the time when we really, really need to recover and control inflammation and control free radical production. Because of course, you've made a bunch of free radicals trudging up the, the canyon wall, uh, but we don't need more with the pizza and the ice cream. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't really, I guess I didn't really appreciate what I was attempting um, it just sounded like something cool to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend it. And in terms of, of, uh, you know, how, like what that, what that might mean for people who aren't doing a rim to rim to rim, you know, I would, I would just, I mean, even, even something like an infection, you mm. know, if you, mm-hmm. you're, and, and let's, let's also not, forget you know not everybody really is able to fast in this productive way right you you have to be a good fat burner to begin with right so um if you're not a good fat burner like the first step is be able to uh you know not rely on carbohydrate all the time right and so you know, I would say if you get food cravings a lot, if you uh, can't go a couple hours without eating, uh, if you get hangry, like these are all symptoms of people who are predominantly relying on carbohydrate. Um, if you can't do those things, tackle that first and, you know, clean up your diet, switch to more of a paleo primal diet, um, figure out how to become a better fat burner. Once you're there, fasting is not that difficult. You don't get the hunger pangs. You don't get the cravings. You don't get hangry. And, um, yeah, you have to deal with the mental part where you're – but it, but it, even then, it's really just more or less like so societal conditioning, right? Because you're mm. you're going, okay, well, it's been – you know, I haven't eaten since 8 p.m. last night, and now it's – um, 728, I, man, I'm hungry. And, uh, it's really, it's, you know, if you really stop and analyze, are you hungry for me when I do, when I fast for 24 to 36 hours, which is about all I do these days, uh, you know, if I really ask that question, I'm not hungry, right? I'm just, I would like to enjoy food. I would like to sit down in front of the TV and, <laughs> and uh, here in Texas, uh, enjoy a big plate of barbecue, right? But, um, but for me, knowing that I'm getting those benefits, knowing that I'm uh, inducing 
autophagy and apoptosis and and cleaning up some of the um, lesser functioning cells and tissues, you know, to me, that's a, it's a small price not to be able to uh, sit down every single night in front of the TV and load up on whatever your favorite food is. I mean, it's a big breakthrough to get past the, the, the cultural traditions and the, the weakness and the proclivities of the brain and our, our dopamine reward pathways and how we're always accustomed to looking at the dessert tray when it comes over, even though we're full. But, oh boy, that does look like a nice uh, homemade cheesecake. I guess I'll have one. And uh, we're just kind of headed down that path that's driven a lot by uh, marketing forces and all that crazy stuff that's turned us into the fattest, sickest population in the history of humanity. So it's kind of cool to hear the story. And if you're listening going, wow, that guy's crazy, um, let's reflect on it a little further. Because when you go out there and push your limits, I'm also going to say that whatever that ensuing meal that you had, you probably had a deep appreciation unlike any human could compare to uh, when you, when you did have breakfast the next morning. Oh yeah. Um, But you know, you know what you would think that, you know, after an additional, let's say 12 hours of fasting after finishing that run that I would wake up and just want to eat all the food in the cafe. Right. Uh, but that wasn't the case, you know, because if you're, if you're a really efficient fat burner and you've been burning body fat, um, and, and you have a good night's sleep and you're, um, you remember from the fast faster study, uh, when those guys came in the next day, the fat adapted group was actually had better glycogen replacement than the carbon adapted group. So, you know, after a good night's sleep, you wake up, you're not ravenous, you're not hungry, right? Your body, your gluconeogenesis, your body's taking care of restoring the um, the the glycogen. Um, but yeah, when I woke up, I I it was more of the feeling that it was a reward mm-hmm. than it, than it was. Necessity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And guess what? If you wake up and you are ravenous from making a, a lengthy fasting attempt and pairing a workout, uh, then you've hit your limit and it's time to go eat. Yeah. 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 Definitely don't ignore uh, the hunger pangs. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, your goal is 36 hours and you only make it to 30. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay, man. Like it, it's like uh, talking to the ultra runners and they, they dropped out of Western state at mile 78 and they're so disappointed and distressed about it. I'm like, you ran 78 miles. That's incredible. <laughs> well, I guess it is. It's kind of far, you know, but it's like, come on, put the proper perspective here. Uh, before we go, I just want to finish this, this thread up with uh, the question of instead of the extreme endurance performance, if you're doing something that's highly glycolytic, so it's intense, it's burning up a lot of uh, sugar, glycogen's coming out of the muscle storage, you're burning it up in an hour-long race or extreme CrossFit workout, um, where would fasting fit in after a workout like that? Would there be different decision-making parameters? You know, so for, for me the CrossFit workouts I feel are pretty glycolytic, right? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're doing a, uh, a workout where you're 
you know, doing a 400 meter sprint followed by uh, a set of squats followed by uh, as many pull-ups as you can do. And you're doing that, you know, in let's say four rounds of that, right. That my heart rate's pegged when I'm doing that. And I pretty much exclusively do that in a fasted state. Mm-hmm. Like I don't eat before I go to the CrossFit workout. Now, in terms of what I eat afterwards, uh, you know, my, um, my routine is I come home and I have uh, bulletproof coffee. You know, I, it's not, it's a, it's a fair amount of calories, but it's not a, wouldn't say it's a meal, you know? Um, and then, and then if I feel, um, you know, depleted from the workout, I, um, I'll, I will, um, indulge at lunch and mm. maybe, maybe get an extra quarter pound of brisket <laughs> from that place. What's the famous place that we had to call an order in advance down there in, uh, downtown oh, Austin. Oh, Franklin's. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, Uh, I can't do that daily, man. That's, that's, that's too much work. (laughs) Dude Spillings, great stuff. Thanks for covering so many topics. I think it was really uh, a lot of take-home advice and things that we can test out and try out maybe with a little bit less weight on the bar. But uh, if you put something in your way that you got a trip over, I think you're going to help get your micro workout game up to the highest level. Uh, I know you have some occasional programs going on that you can help people remotely. So maybe just tell us how to connect with you and uh, where to take the next step if we're interested. Yeah, I, I offer a um, 12-week um, online health and wellness class um, at primalrebootcamp.com. Uh, you can also email me, spellings at Gmail. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Dude Spellings. So, all right, people. Any questions, fire away. Bring it on. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Dude Spellings in Austin, Texas. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.